Church family, welcome to Church Chats again, and we are joined by another special guest. The thing that I'm enjoying about these sessions is that everyone is from such a different walk of life, and we've got another guest uh, today. It is Detective Inspector Mick Hughes. Mick, welcome, mate. Thank you, Luke. It's a pleasure to be here. I thank you for the invite. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you so much for jumping on board and um, I guess telling us a little bit more about what you do. But if you can, just tell us about yourself. Um, what are you What are you interested in, interested in? What do you do for work and what are some of your hobbies maybe? Well, I've, uh, I've spent the last 42 years being a policeman and uh, 10 years before that being a soldier. Uh, my hobbies at the moment are six grandkids and uh, I'm getting towards the end of uh, my career. So, I guess I'm planning for the next step in life. That's fantastic. And um, has any of those those hobbies and things throughout the COVID season, have they uh, you found any new ones perhaps or have you had to get a little creative with that maybe? Well, I, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, mental health in a minute and, um, and why that's relevant is I've been uh, under a mental health team for a while and we'll talk about how that came about. But um, what I've uh, found since COVID come in is um, – I've actually been well prepared. It's it's almost like uh, I'm as fit as I've ever been because I've been walking uh, 8K a day for my mental health. And uh, so I'm not doing a lot of hobbies. I, uh, I had a, a mental block for a long time. I couldn't retain things I was reading. This is in the last 18 months. In the last six months, uh, that has uh, been dramatically improved. And uh, so the thing I'm doing at the moment, Luke, is uh, I'm reading. I've always been a... Uh, 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 a prolific reader and uh, it's interesting when you're in my field of work you do a lot of reading at, uh, at work from a professional perspective and people find it hard to imagine why you'd go home and read well as you know reading for work or reading for say study for a uh, something in uh, the ministry is far different than just reading to relax and uh, so I've been using reading as a, a bit of a therapy during COVID. Hey, Mick, it is so good to see you. And I wondered, could you just uh, give the people a bit of a background? What's your, what's your police career consist of, Mick? You've had a lot of experience. Oh, look, 42 years. I've, uh, I've been a detective for 35 of those 42 years. I've worked in most of the major squads uh, uh, in Crime Command and uh, I work with the National Crime Authority, the Australian Crime Commission, the Longford Royal Commission. Uh, I've been an arson investigator. I've been a homicide investigator. I'm a member of the uh, Senior Investigating Officers of the Counter-Terrorism. So I've done a little bit of stuff uh, along the way, but my love has been homicide. I've done three stints there, uh, you know, as the boss the last time, and I've done 12 years in homicide. I'm going to talk a little bit about that if we get the chance. And uh, and Mick, in particular, um, where did you and I get to meet each other? Yeah, well, I was going to start off with that. Uh, <laughs> Um, I went to homicide in early 92 as a sergeant. I'd been there for a short stint on temporary duty as, a, as an investigator and uh, I got there as a sergeant in 92. We met uh, in 92 um, and what people may not know is the homicide squad naturally uh, investigates homicide, so it's a reactive squad and uh, we cover the state of Victoria. But I, I, one uh, investigation in particular you'll remember is a conspiracy to murder where we were able to get an undercover in and prevent uh, a murder. And we did two investigations that type of year, that year. So we were able to intervene and stop two murders, which uh, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do. So they were highlights. And you're an outstanding uh, investigator in that. You had hair then, Jeff. <laughs> 
Well, I was guided. I was guided by my sergeant. So, so yeah, friends. Then the way that works is uh, back at the time. Um, so we were part of a homicide crew together. There were seven crews of the homicide squad then, and each crew was headed by a senior sergeant. Then there were two sergeants and four detectives. And so Mick was uh, my sergeant, and I was one of the detectives. We had a we had a great couple of years working together. Mick, along the way, with all that big, long police career and all of those things that you've done, and you mentioned very briefly earlier you had 10 years as a soldier. Yes. Along the way, life's served you up a couple of challenges, hasn't it? I wonder it has. if you'd like to tell us a bit about those. Yeah, look, uh, I've, I've dodged, dodged more bullets than you can think of. Uh, I spent 10 years in the Army and uh, something I've told Jeff before Something that set me up for life, but I didn't realise at the time. I was training uh, as a young 17, 18-year-old to go overseas to Vietnam and we were up at uh, Canungra and we were doing Levis Plateau, which is uh, it's a heartbreak hill, if anyone knows what that is, and I'm sure uh, people in the audience will. And it's a, it's a hill with many horizons. So the whole purpose of the training is to break you and uh, to see when you'll stop on that climb. And I was lucky enough to be with a uh, guy, I'm going to call him Pop. Um, he told me he was 42. I wor- worked out later he could only have been a minimum of 43 because to be the age he was, he would have had to be 20 when the Second World War ended because he told me not only was he a Second World War veteran, he was a Korean veteran, a Malayan veteran, a Borneo veteran. So this was a man that you listened to. He'd come back into the Army and was also getting ready to go overseas. So as we got off the trucks, I was packing up my gear and uh, I said, Pop, what's the trick to this hill? And he said, put your hand, head down. He said, uh, don't let the mountain or the instructors fool you. You'll know when you get to the top. And I put my head down and I just kept walking uh, until I got there. And, and when you hit those false crests, you think this is it. But my brain was saying, no, Pop says, oh, no. So I just kept walking. And when I got to the top, I actually kept walking. One of the instructors had to yell out and say, Mick, you're there. <laughs> that set me up with my stamina for life. So all those hurdles I've hit throughout my career um, uh, in both fields, uh, that's been my, I guess, my anchor stone. Yeah, and Mick, that that story, you did tell me that story and it's, gee, what what is it? I mean, it must be a couple of years ago now that you told me that story. Um, and and I've let you know this too, that's been an absolute key to me, that story, because we've reflected many times, haven't we, that a lot of the time we don't quite know what we've learned in life and we don't quite know how we've grown and how we've, even the times when we've actually had victory, we don't quite always realise that until after it's happened and we're looking back, do we? Absolutely we don't. And I think uh, it's sad for two reasons. One, you should be enjoying the moment, which we... uh, as Christians, I hope do, uh, but we do get bogged down in life like everyone else. But it is nice sometimes to just reflect and look on the people that have helped you. I mean, my little journey recently with mental health, I've had a great team around me. And you know me, I always talk about team. There's no I in team. And uh, uh, if you've got people around you that will help you and support you, you're always going to get to that end. Yeah. Mick, you've been part over the over the years. You've been part of uh, of a lot of homicide investigations, and as you said, homicide investigations are not just where one person murders another or a group or whatever. Um, they also include police shootings, fatal yep. police shootings, and they also include those ones that a lot of people don't realise the ones that you mentioned earlier, and that is stopping murders before they start. So yep. you've been part of a lot of investigations, far too many to to talk about um, over the years. 
and some of those some very high-profile ones as well. And then in particular, for nearly four years as the inspector or the boss of the homicide squad, and, and so, like many of you will know, as you see Mick now, his face will be familiar to you because, I mean, when you're the boss of the Homicide Squad, Mick, we would see you on the news once a week or something like that. And, talking, and so, to do that, it, it just, I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you guys, Mick might, might not want to tell you, it means being across an awful lot of information. An yeah. awful lot of information, like just just boggles the mind how much information you got to be on top of with that, um, and it's not just for the media; it's for all the detectives that are working for you, and also then you got to be able to give answers very quickly to the bo- to your bosses upstairs, Absolutely. you know, the, the high ranks of the police force, and so it's a very uh, very demanding role, and you're almost constantly on call. So over that time, even if we put aside your stints in the homicide squad at lower ranks, what about as the boss? For nearly four years, yes. um, what do you reckon? Like, could you estimate how many cases you, you might have been no, a part I, of in that I, time? I, I can tell you, <laughs> I uh, when I started my health treatment, one of the things I was asked to do was put, to, put together a, uh, a profile of cases that had significantly impacted on me. Because what I've got is compounded PTSD, and someone described it to me, or one of the doctors did. It, it's like uh, every time you go to a critical event, uh, that's one you put it on a bookshelf. And then you just keep doing that and then one day the bookshelf says, I've had enough and it falls over. So I had a lot of uh, stamina. I had a lot of resilience. Um, but in the three and a half uh, years I was at homicide, you, you imagine in Victoria we get 55 homicides a year around that or it was when I left. So there's uh, uh, 100 and I think I worked it out, about 189 just in that three and a half years. Then we're reviewing cold case homicides and live active homicides because when you take over, there's still... You know, there might be 100 investigations that are still alive. So it's going through all of those. I don't go to every scene. I normally go when I'm asked. The senior sergeant, one of the sergeants will ring me and say, look, could you come out? Uh, we've got a media throng here. Um, you have to, as a boss of homicide, you have to have a relationship with the media. It's important. Um, but you also have to keep in mind, um, you know, families and relatives of victims and the sensitivity around that. So it is a very challenging role. And... Uh, I don't want anyone to think that it's because of that role I uh, I, I collapsed. It was uh, it was 42 years of um, the hard grind that just wore me down in the end. And Mick, on that, how are you doing now? You told us that the last six months have been dramatically better. I'd love you to tell us how you're doing now because uh, it's not nice hearing compound PTSD and 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 the crash of that last 18 months. But how are you doing now? Oh, look, I'm, I'm doing as good. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm taking a step now, thinking about my future. Um, first six months were uh, – I took six months long service when I left homicide, um, and this is how it can sneak up on you. I knew I was tired. Uh, Sue and I went uh, to Spain. We'd always wanted to go. Um, I got sick during the holiday, but I just thought, you know, I'm just worn out. I came back with the full intention of uh, after the six months long service, I'd go back to work, and uh, it didn't quite work out that way. Um, I used to say to people, put a Teflon coat on when you're doing your work because uh, you can't let this stuff stick to you, but we're human. And uh, the one thing I've found about PTSD sufferers, uh, and I'm talking from my own experience and close friends, is they care. And um, sometimes that care um, can have a toll, but would I, would I do it?
and you think on the journey, I met so-and-so, and they pick up the phone and say, Mick, I hear you, you haven't been. Well, mate, just want to ring and see how you were, and that really uplifts you. It's just like in our Christian life, mate, sometimes uh, the Lord just reminds us who we are and what our journey is. Yeah, well, look, Mick, thanks so much. And um, I, 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 I want you to know too, and I have told you this, uh, I want you to know that, you know, as we've tracked together and since that, you know, uh, nearly 30 years since we met each other, but since we've tracked together and in that time, it's it's been a real inspiration to me. I've learned so much from you, not just about policing, <laughs> but about life as well. And, and we've got a lot to go yet. And as we were saying just recently on the phone as well, this is, uh, we're just turning over the page now for another chapter in Mick Hughes's life, aren't we? Um, Absolutely. You know, one is coming to an end, the police one, but there's uh, there's a whole lot that's yet, that's yet ahead and God's got a lot of big and good things to do in your life and through your life. So Mick, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it and look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Thanks, mate. Thanks, thanks Luke. See you, Mick. Bye-bye.